Amen. Good morning, everybody. I love you. <laughs> Every now and then in my house, the question comes forth from Kelly. You love me? Yeah. Of course. Y'all love me? Okay. <laughs> All right, come on. If you're new to Greater Life Church, there's no pressure, and you know I won't. I won't ask. I don't ask that question every week. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for a wonderful time of worship that we've already had. And I pray that you'd help me share the word, this message that it would encourage, but it also challenge us. In Jesus' name, amen. Message title today is Dreaming of the, Pur- of the Promise. We began our year with a theme, the year of the promise. While this month, the sermon series is Promise of Blessing, it certainly feels that it's been more about promises than about blessing, but when there are promises that come from the Lord, they always carry with it great blessing. Dreaming of the promise is based on the story of Joseph found in Genesis chapter 37 until the end of the book. Dreams are used to describe many times things that are out of reality, another realm even, too hard to believe or to grasp. However, if God made us, and he did, then he also gave us the ability to dream in that way, to imagine, to think of things that might even be hard to picture in a real scenario, to imagine even both awake and asleep the dreams that we have could be in our subconscious while we're resting and even in our most awake moments. For me, the daydream happened during math in elementary school. It wasn't something that God gave me. It was something that I tried to imagine on my own. Anything other than long division was okay. But today we're talking about Joseph, and the whole story is built upon this premise of dreams that are given by God. And the journey of which Joseph sees it come to pass. God does use our dreams to show us his plan, to teach us his path. And when we think on the things of the Lord, our dreams begin to reflect those things. If you'll allow me, I'd like to just take a moment before we start with the story of Joseph and talk to you a little bit about your mind. Yesterday we went and saw a movie and, and you know, we hadn't been going to movies very much lately at all in the theater because there's just haven't been a lot of movies you want to see. And when we walk in there, we're sitting there and settling in the previews come on the trailers and the trailer that comes on was of a horror movie 
And I began to be scared because it was scary. And so Kelly and I began to talk, and I was covering my eyes, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. Why do we have to sit here through this? This is evil. My spirit was troubled. And then the very next trailer was a trailer for a new movie coming out next month called Jesus Revolution. And I was watching that with great anticipation. I said, wow, that really looks like something I want to see. It's the story of Greg Laurie, an evangelist. But the contrast was so clear between good and evil, light and darkness. And if we want God to speak to us in dreams and visions and in supernatural ways, then our responsibility is to follow what the Scripture says in chapter 4 of Philippians, verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Far too often, we find ourselves, especially here in this nation, sometimes our relationship with God has become something that we only do on occasion, a Sunday morning, a Wednesday night, a Bible reading from time to time. Yet, if you have a relationship with the Lord, and I hope that you do, that should be your everything, your priority. And so, when we consume on the radio as we drive from one place to another or on our phones, our music playlist, if it's full of profanity and evil, then how can we expect God to speak to us if all we're doing is filling our minds with those things? If we find ourselves watching constantly TV and, and, and streaming shows that are far from something that brings glory to God, then how can we be in a position where we say, God, speak to me? You see, the problem may be not that God isn't speaking, but that you have cluttered your mind in such a way that you cannot hear Him. Today we're talking about dreams, but I wanted to establish a precedent for you, child of God. If you have a relationship with the Lord, then how about move him up on your priority list to where you fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable, and you think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. At some point, there's got to be a line of delineation between the believer and the non-believer of what we watch, of what we listen to, of how we talk. Now, before you think that this is some holiness message and begin to dismiss it out of hand, let me remind you that we serve a holy God. And there is an expectation when we submit ourselves to follow Jesus, that we begin to look and act differently. 
A walk with the Lord is not a both and type of walk. We cannot have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God. It is an all or nothing type thing and God deserves no less. So as we begin with this narrative of Joseph, I want you to know I'm taking us somewhere. I believe that God has spoken maybe to some of you in a dream or in a vision, given you a promise of what's to come for your life. We're gonna talk about that and we're gonna look at the story of Joseph and see how it unfolds in his life. In Genesis chapter 37, uh, Joseph is given a dream. Genesis 37, before I get to the text of number one, number one on your note sheets, if you're taking notes, says the promise in the dreams. Chapter 37 of Joseph, we find a 17-year-old young man who the Scripture says, in verse 3, jo Jacob, Joseph's father, loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe, coat of many colors, and other translations. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. One night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. In verse 6, Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you will be our king? Do you? You actually think you will reign over us. And they hated him all the more, listen, because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. The promise in the dreams was that Joseph would become a ruler and his own brothers would serve him or be under him. However, I do believe that Joseph had a lot of lessons to learn. That's where we're going to begin. The promise in the dream was pretty clear. I'm off that or I'm not there yet. I'll help him out. At least I don't have one sleeping back there. It happened to me before. You know what I did? I said, Lazarus. <laughs> How many of you guys are here for that? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I had a um, personal experience that kind of helped me as I was preparing this message understand a little bit more about what was going on. Uh, in 2017, actually going all the way back to 2011, my father passed away, and Kelly and I were in the process of trying to figure out what was next in our life. I was serving on a large, uh, a staff of a large church in Concord, North Carolina, and had a great gig. It was awesome. And, but the Lord had stirred my heart that something new was on the horizon. I was supposed to be doing something new. So we were looking for something and beginning to pray on that. And after my dad passed, the very next day, passed on a Saturday, the very next day, the Lord woke us up and said, take hope to Mint Hill to both of us at the same time. And it was kind of like one of those, jinx, you got to buy me a Coke. But it was one of those moments where we both heard the voice of the Lord and there was no doubt. 
Take hope to Mint Hill meant we were to plant a church in Mint Hill. A couple of weeks later, about a week later, we had my father's funeral service at Gar Memorial Church on Independence Boulevard, and I had the assignment to preach that service. I was in there preparing for that funeral message and that funeral service, and no one else was in the room. And I was standing behind the pulpit in this church building, Gar Memorial, where my dad pastored for 19 years, where I grew up. And the Holy Spirit said, you will pastor here. And I said, no, I won't. It was a spiritual conversation that was so loud and so clear that it still is with me today. Because I did not feel, uh, Jesus said a prophet is without honor in his own town. So I felt like going to that place and pastoring that church, I could never do something like that. But God is not in a position where he needs to say things twice. You with me? So the, there was no argument or conversation beyond that. The Holy Spirit said it, and I said, no way, and, and that was it. I went back to preparing for the funeral message. Walked out of there, and Kelly and I made plans to plant a church. We planted a church in 2012, and in the elementary school, then a high school, then a storefront. Five years went by since we planted the church, and... The pastor of Gar Church, named, a man named Randy Briscoe, reached out to me and we started to talk. You see, one of the things that I learned in this story is something that God showed me in the dream that I was given on that platform in 2011, is Joseph failed to have discernment and timing. God gave him a dream Joseph was the family tattletale. He would go and follow his brothers around and go back to their dad and say, listen, they're slacking off, they're not doing right. They knew that. They were constantly in trouble because Joseph was putting them on blast, telling on them. So they knew that. They hated him. So Joseph decides it's a good idea that God gave him this dream that he would share it with his brothers when he's spying on them again. Hey, guys. I'm here to find out more dirt on you. By the way, y'all are going to bow to me. What do you think about that? Well, the brothers, of course, had a response that they had because the discernment of timing in Joseph's life was off. Joseph made some mistakes, but God's plan was still going to carry forth. See, here's the thing. It would be as if the Lord spoke to me in that moment, and at that funeral service, I pulled the pastor who was there at the church at the time, Randy, and said, hey, listen, Randy, by the way, you don't need to come tomorrow. I got it. The Holy Spirit told me, I got it. So just, you know, if you, I mean, I don't care if you're here or not, but I'm preaching tomorrow. Can you see that the discernment and timing that Joseph kind of messed up here? The other part of it is that Joseph went on to have another dream, and this is the scripture for that. And again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I have another dream, he said. The sun, the moon, the 11 stars bowed low before me, verse 10. This time he told the dream to his father as well as his brothers. And his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that? Well, your mother and I, your, your, and, I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? 
But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what it meant. Back in those days, children respected their fathers. To go to your dad, your father, and say, hey, listen, you work for me now. Dad, dad, look, I am the captain now. Right? One of those moments. Fathers weren't going to have it. And Joseph did not only lack discernment in timing, but discernment in delivery. I can't even begin to imagine me going to my dad. Say, hey, dad, I got it. I'll pay the mortgage. I'll cover the bills. I'm in charge. I need you out by the end of the day. <laughs> I, I mean, uh-uh, ain't happening. But this is exactly what Joseph did. This is the dream. So I'll put it to you like this. Let's learn a lesson here and then we'll move on. God's given you a dream. God's given you a calling. God's given you a promise. Have a little discernment on how you bring that about. You know, that's something that's lacking. I'm gonna go over here and talk to my young adults for a minute. I love y'all. Walk in confidence and in faith, but don't walk in pride. Amen? Walk in humility. God's gonna give you great dreams about what he wants to do in your life, but there has to be something within you that says, without God, none of it's gonna happen, and so I'm gonna walk in his timing and in his path for his calling on my life. The second thing that we find Joseph waiting is the patience of waiting. Number two, the patience of waiting. I'm sorry, I need to back up. No, I don't. Full circle will be in a minute. Yeah, I will. No, I won't. The patience in the waiting. So stupid Joseph goes over here and makes his brothers mad and his father frustrated. And in Genesis chapter 37, we see this fella being betrayed by his family. In Genesis chapter 37, beginning in verse 19, it says, when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him from a distance. As he approached them, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father, a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see but becomes what becomes of his dreams. You see, they hated the dreams. They certainly didn't like Joseph, but more than that, they didn't like the dream that he had. They weren't having it. I have three brothers. There is nothing that even compares to having conflict within a family. His brothers threw him in a pit because they hated the dream that God had given them and they did not want to see that come to pass. I relate a little bit to this because out of the three brothers that I have, I have a good relationship with one. Back in church planting days, I had one brother who was a key part of the ministry, worship team, prayer team, 
and all these things. And one afternoon, something popped up on social media. It's a picture of him and another man saying he's found his mate, his life mate. He came out on social media. It's a leader in the church. I immediately called Kelly and said, Kelly, call my mom so she doesn't see it this way. What happened right after that is we were blocked on every social media platform. We were ignored every call and every text. We were pushed away. Yet in contrast to what happened to us on the other side of that social media that we were blocked, we were being blasted as people who were bigots and hateful. We didn't know it because we couldn't see it. My brother has since moved out of state. We're talking again. He's still not living for the Lord. And I miss him. I'm not mad at him. You see, right after that, I had meetings and meetings and meetings to try to get the church back on solid ground because of the ripples that it caused. Last year, I have another brother who's on staff here. He's a worship leader. And the Holy Spirit led me, spoke to me, told me that I needed to ask him to step away. And I did. I asked him to leave his position because that's what God told me to do. Hardest thing I've ever done in my ministry. And I miss him. You see, we have a responsibility to obey God. And even when he asks us to do something that is uncomfortable, hard to do, it is our responsibility to still obey God. And obeying God was more important to me than just allowing things to continue on as they were. I'm looking forward to the day because he did it in this story. I'm looking forward to the day that those relationships would be completely restored in the name of Jesus. Here's the thing. Our men's ministry director, his name is Jeff Wolf. Yesterday we had a men's breakfast. He shared how he had some family relationships that were very strained. And God told him one day that how would you act? The question came from the Lord, the way he describes it. How would you act if you knew that the relationship would be restored, not only with me, with the Lord, but also with you? How would you act 
then? Jeff said, well, of course, I I wouldn't talk uh, about negative things. I would just treat them differently, talk differently, and all those kinds of things. Well, the, the Spirit of the Lord told him, then do that. And that's what it spoke to me, that God is telling me, then just do that. Operate in faith, knowing that those relationships will be restored. And because I'm telling you, this might be for somebody today. You've got a broken relationship out there somewhere. God wants you to understand that it is on him. It's not on you. It is on him to bring healing to those places and to those relationships. You see, Joseph was betrayed by his family, and for years he had no relationship with them. We're going to see in God's plan, the dreams will always come true. The second thing that happened in Joseph's life is he was betrayed by leadership. He was sold into slavery by his brothers. Some wanted to kill them, and some others said, no, let's don't kill them, let's sell them into slavery, and they did that. The Bible tells us in, 30, in chapter 39, verse 19 of Genesis, Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. What happened here is that Joseph was working for Potiphar, and the Bible says he had great favor. He was working for him. Everything was going well. But Potiphar's wife, his boss's wife, kept trying to convince him to sleep with her. And the Bible says that one day he was alone, and she tried to convince him again, come and sleep with me. And he said no, and he ran off, and she caught him by the cloak, by the robe, and had his clothing there and went to her husband and said, look, Joseph has tried to do this to me. Potiphar believed her, threw him into prison. He was betrayed by leadership, not because he had done anything wrong, but because somebody lied on him and was believed. I don't know if you've ever been stabbed in the back, but it happens. And there's something here today, I I, I don't really want to get into the corporate world, I know it happens there, but guess where else it happens? In church. There needs to be a whole course and a whole series, I believe, on church hurt. And sometimes those leaders don't even know they've done it. But can I tell you, here's where the problem happens. When the people of the church begin to look at the pastor as he's someone who can't make any mistakes. Because then he makes a mistake and they feel devastated. Can I tell you, sometimes I might not be able to call everybody, to see everybody, to visit everybody. I'm going to try my best. And there's so many people that just disappear from churches all over the country. Because the pastor didn't say something to them one day. Come on. Who are we here for? I ain't all that. Trust me. But betrayed by leadership is a very, very painful thing. Joseph, God had given him a dream He's sold into slavery. 
His own family deserts him and throws him away. And then his boss, who had trusted him with everything. This just didn't end the, this is not just a shift manager at the Chick-fil-A. This is a boss that he had incredible favor with, that gave him rule over everything in his household. This is the man that in a moment made him a prisoner. How confusing it must be for Joseph. You know, we find prayers in Scripture often. But for whatever reason, in the story of Joseph, what we don't see is Joseph going to God and crying out and shaking his fist. Why would you let this happen to me? We don't see that. But the most painful part of his experience and his journey has yet to happen. Number three, the passing over. Joseph is thrown into prison, and again, the Scripture says that God was with him. He became in charge of the prisoners and in charge of the prison. He was trusted. And yet, in Genesis chapter 40, we see him having a conversation with two of Pharaoh's officials, the cupbearer and the baker. And he has this conversation, and these officials have dreams. And he interprets the dreams. One of the officials is thrilled of the interpretation, one not so much. Because the cupbearer's dream was one that was interpreted that he was gonna be restored to his position. The chief baker's dream was one that, hey, Pharaoh's gonna kill you in three days. And in three days, the scripture says in verse 20 of chapter 40, Pharaoh's birthday came three days later. He prepared a banquet and all his officials and st- of all of his officials and staff. He summoned the chief cupbearer and the chief baker to join the other officials. Then he restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so he could hand again Pharaoh his cup. Restored. You see, when Joseph interpreted the dreams, he said this to them. Actually, he said this to the cupbearer because the baker, you know, remember me. Remember me when this happens. The passing over is what happens when someone else's dream comes true and yet you still haven't seen God do what he's promised in your own life. God, why would you do for them? And I'm still here. Why do they get to do that? Why do they get to be blessed that way? Why do they get the promotion? Why do they get the opportunity? And I am still here. Joseph is still in prison, is still in the dark place, is still on the journey. He had the dream and nothing in his mind was happening to bring it about. Well, the cupbearer forgot him. And in the very next chapter, it says two full years later, he was remembered. Personal story of this passage 
in my life. I'm convinced based on our experience last week that the power of the testimony really, really changes lives. And so I'm trying to intertwine my testimony, not for me, but for you. Maybe, maybe you'll see God's hand and, and be like, man, if God, if you did it for him, then you could do it for me. And so after I drove a Pepsi truck for two years, God opened the door to go back into ministry and I was sitting there and I was confused because here I am interviewing for a position that I certainly wasn't qualified for or ready for in any way, shape, or form. And we were sitting in the adult service and the pastor got up there to preach and he began to read the text. He was preaching on Joseph and he started reading the text and he said, two full years later. And I looked over at my wife because on that Sunday, it had been two years that we had left the ministry. And he taught on two full years later, God remembered Joseph. I knew that God had remembered me. Here we are in the early part of the sermon. He's just reading the scripture text. Hadn't even said anything all that great. Crying. I don't even know. I'm glad maybe the pastor didn't see me because I was a wreck. Because the Holy Spirit was preaching to me before he started preaching. Reminding me that I hadn't been passed over because some of you in here today need to be reminded of that same thing. You feel like God has forgotten you and passed over you and he has not. He knows where you are. He knows what you need. And the whole time you feel like you've been running on a track and wasting time, he has been preparing you for the dream of the promise to come to pass. <sighs> Number four, from promise to process to product, from the dream he had, to the 13 years of slavery and captivity in jail, to the product of being the leader that he saw in his dream that he would become. How do you get from promise to process to product? Well, you know deep down something is coming, yet you don't lose hope. You also keep your hope when nothing seems to point toward completion. I'm going to talk to somebody right now. God showed me this this morning. I, I, I've got to sum up the story. Joseph interprets a dream for Pharaoh, and he makes him the second most powerful person in all the land. He's in charge of all of the food, in charge of the kingdom. His brothers end up coming because there's famine everywhere, and they make the journey, and they get the food. They bow before him, and it all happens just as Joseph had dreamed it 13 years ago. It all happens. 
and then his father comes. Anyway, it all comes to pass. But during this narrative, there's a, there's a, there's a verse that jumped out at me. Because in the middle of the famine, it says that the famine had gone on for so long that even the memory of the good years were erased. Come on, somebody's got to get it. Even the memory of the good years were erased. Maybe you have been in a hopeless place for so long that it's hard to even remember when God was good. It's hard to even remember the good years because you've been in this struggle for so long. Can I tell you, weeping endures for the night, but joy comes in the morning and the sun is about to rise. Let me say it a better way. It's fitting to rise in your situation. Amen? Come on, this message is for you today. You see, Joseph, when he had the dream at age 17, he was not ready to lead anything. He was not ready. The promise happened. The process began, and for 13 years, here's what happened. He was sold into slavery. He journeyed all the way from Hebron to Egypt, which was a very arduous and, and challenging journey. And so God taught him at the very beginning, if people make that journey, then they're desperate for something. And when his brothers showed up, he knew that God brought them all the way from there to him. He only knew that journey because he had been a slave brought across that. The second thing that God had to prepare him for is managing wealth. He worked for Potiphar, a man of great wealth and influence. He managed his whole household. He managed his staff. God used the times of his slavery to prepare him to be the leader he's called him to be. Finally, in prison. What would God use in prison? Well, couple things happened in prison. First of all, it put him next to the cupbearer that would finally remember him before Pharaoh. But the second thing that happened, and I like this, I think this is cool. He learned how to survive with little. Now, I don't know about you if you've ever been in prison before, but in prison, it's not like the Golden Corral. I've seen videos, I'm fascinated by them, how they make cakes and cookies and all kinds of things out of oodles of noodles in prison. Anyway, he learned in prison because he was in charge of the prisoners. What do I need to do to make sure I'm a good steward of the little that we have to feed everybody in here? He himself was a prisoner who was accused and yet did nothing. So he learned when he's standing there giving out grain to the people of Egypt that are poor and suffering, not because they did something wrong, but it's because the situation they have found themselves in this life. So he doesn't look down on them. He puts them on an equal footing and says, you need food too. You need care too. You need somebody to watch over you too. He learned all that in prison. 
You see, Joseph needed 13 years to learn how to be the leader that Pharaoh needed. Not only Pharaoh, to learn how to be the leader that the known world needed. Do you know that without Joseph, civilization as we know it today most likely would not even be close to what it is. He saved the world. Come on, you got to catch that. He saved the world because God's dreams always come to pass. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. We're going to have special prayer. While they're coming, I want to finish my story. The Holy Spirit, as I stood behind that pulpit, said, you will pastor here. And my response was, no, I won't. Well, five years after that church plant that we did, that we started, that pastor of Gar Memorial Church, of Gar Church, and I began to meet over breakfast. And I need to tell you how it went. Because only God could do what he said he was going to do. Because if I tried to make it happen, I, I, trust me, I would have wrecked the whole thing. And so sometimes we just need to listen to this word, stop. Just stop, right? Just let God be God. So we begin to meet. The first meeting we had went like this. Pastor Randy said, listen, we're going to sell our property. Maybe we could do greater things together. Maybe God could bring our two, our two churches together and do something really special. He pastoring a church that was 87 year old, 87 not year old. The church itself was 87 year old. Maybe there was an 87 year old in the congregation. Anyway, I pastoring a church of five years old. He said, I'm gonna sell the property and I believe that we should come together and, and, and you could be my associate. And then I'll hand it over to you later. And so I listened. We agreed to take two weeks and pray on it. Well, two weeks later, we come back to breakfast and we begin talking again. And before I go to breakfast, my wife stops me before I go out the door. She knew where I was going and who I was meeting with. And she says, Andrew, don't talk, just listen. If you know me, you know. So I said, okay. So I sit down with Randy, which by the way, Randy was our premarital counselor. He officiated our wedding, we go way back. I sit down with Randy and he says, so what do you think? I said, Kelly told me I couldn't talk. I just have to listen. <laughs> and because he knows us, he knows. So, okay. I've been praying on it and I believe that what God wants to do is that you're supposed to be the lead pastor and I'll serve alongside of you. Okay. 
what y'all need to know is that God did something so unique and so amazing that it still, it still shocks me. That started a nine-month process, conversations. Interestingly enough, it takes nine months for something else to happen, something new to be born. So we left that meeting and we both said, let's do some research. So I went and I bought a few books about church mergers. And chapter one of every church merger book says, don't do it. It won't work. Trust us. And then chapter two says, but if you decide to do it, here's what you do. You see, because I have learned not to use the word never with the Lord because I said I'd never plant a church. I said I'd never merge a church. So I don't use that word never anymore. Unless let's try this. I never will have a million dollars. Just want to get it in there. Anyway, get it on record. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. We did this planning and then we decided that our churches would have preview services together. So for three weeks, we put our own church names in the background and we said, we're gonna to meet together as Greater Life Church for three weeks. So our greeters worked together, our worship team worked together. He and I would tag team preach together and, and we became one church for three weeks. And at the end of three weeks, our congregations were going to vote on whether or not we wanted to leave behind our heritage in one sense because now individual heritage became one heritage and begin something new. And so we got to the end of the service and we went and the congregations voted and everybody got their little ballots and they turned them in. And what you need to understand, it still shocks me because it's hard to get anybody to agree on anything. But an 87-year-old church and a five-year-old church voted unanimously that we would come together and become Greater Life Church. The second thing they voted on, wait a second, it gets even better, is they even installed me as the lead pastor. Now here's the cool part. At the end of that service, we had the worship team started singing, greater things are yet to come. And we, anyway, confetti went off. Me and Randy did this Superman thing where we had Greater Life Church shirts on like, yeah, it was awesome. And in the middle of the celebration and everyone clapping and everyone excited, I fell to my knees because the Holy Spirit said, I told you so, you would pastor here. God always accomplishes his plan. Always. He's an always kind of God. Even when we make mistakes, even when we feel like we've dropped the ball, even when we've missed it, He will do His thing. I'm telling you, God is in control. And the dreams that He has planted within you, maybe it's my family will all come to Jesus. Maybe it's my, my business will actually begin to prosper. Maybe my health will be restored. 
I don't know what it is, but if God's given you that promise and he's put that dream within you, he will do it. You can trust him in that. And he's never late. Even though we get anxious about timing, he's always on time. So before we sing, I've got two things I want to ask you. If you're here today and you're in the process, you've got the promise, you've got the dream, you haven't seen it come to pass yet. It's like I've been praying for it and it hasn't happened yet. If you're here today, it doesn't matter what it is, whatever you're seeking the Lord for, it hasn't happened. Stand right where you are. Come on. If you're, if you're seeking God for something that he said he was going to do in your life, then you need to stand right where you are. Thank you, Lord. Two more seconds. Stand right where you are. Second thing is this. Well, the staff to come. Come on. prayer team to come to. We're going to need more at this service. Here's the deal. When Pharaoh chose Joseph, the Bible says he didn't choose him because he was handsome or a great leader or anything like that. He chose him because he was full of the Spirit of God. Oh, Pastor Andrew, I didn't think the Holy Spirit showed up until New Testament book Acts. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit's been there since the beginning. He chose Joseph because he was full of the Spirit of God. Here's the second question. These people are up here to pray with you about something very specific. If you're here and you feel like God has called you into ministry, He's called you into ministry, then the assignment that they have is to pray that the Spirit of God would fill you right now and that you would operate in that and begin to walk towards that calling. If you're here and you have another need, I'd like to take a moment and pray for you and then we're gonna sing. And when we start singing, if you're called to ministry, I want you to go ahead even now and move into the aisles and begin to make your way up here. If you're here and that's not your calling and that's not your need, you've got another need, I want you to hold your hands out like this right now. I should see people moving that are called to ministry right now. If you're called to ministry, you need to get down here right now and receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. If you're not, stay where you are. I'm going to pray. Come on, find somebody to pray with. Come on. Come on. Young, old, everybody. Come on. If you're called to ministry, come and receive. Now, if you're standing there in your seat and you have another need, put your hands out just like this. Father, in the name of Jesus. You know the need, you know the heart, you know the issue, you know the problem, you know the promise. You know the dream that you've placed in their lives. I pray God right now, as we're in this moment of worship, as we're singing how faithful you are, that God, you and you alone would intervene and move in this place. Restore broken relationships. Fill bodies, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit so they may be healed. Whatever it might be, Bring these dreams to pass and give us the peace to trust you in the timing. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's worship the Lord. Stand and worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, let's worship the Lord.
to come up because this week they're going to a training for church planting and and many of you already know that they're launching out to do Waxhaw and uh, they're, they're going to be here on Wednesday evenings and different things like that so they're not going going away but they are going on to new things so I asked them to come up here because Next week, we're preaching a sermon called Launching the Promise, where we launch out these new works, these new campuses. Espanol is meeting right now as their test run. And of course, Pastor Anthony and Sheila, they've already gone through the training and they're on their way. But it was seven, eight years ago that you guys showed up. Kelly, come up here. Bring the box of Kleenex too. I want her to be up here too. Thank you. Come on. Awesome. Thank you. All right, let's do this. I won't cry. <laughs> you see, here's the thing. God has an anointing upon this ministry that looks like this. Open hands. When you have open hands, things get in, things get out. And so we want, I know your story, but I don't know all the details. 
And I don't really know when it clicked for Waxhaw, but I know it clicked for Waxhaw. And so because you've been with, with Kelly and I for years, I just wanted to take a moment this week because next week it's, right? So can y'all reach your hands up here? Now, Lord, may you do for Moises and Rosie what you did for me so many years ago. I felt like I wasn't ready. I felt like I wasn't prepared. I felt like I could, I felt like I could be overwhelmed in any moment. But by your spirit and by your anointing, you've done greater things in this ministry than this preacher has ever asked or think. And so God, right now for Moises and Rosie, as they travel this week for this special training, I pray that you would use this time to confirm within them the call. Give them the confidence that comes by the power of the Spirit. Help them to know that it's not about them being ready and being able. It's about you using them in miraculous fashion. And so God, we bless them. We expect great things through all the ministries of greater life. But Lord, for this precious family, with a miracle baby, <laughs> miracle ministry. May the words of prophecy over this body as a whole be made true in Moises and Rosie, that the glory of the latter years be so much greater than the glory of the former. And may Waxhaw be ready to be forever changed in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, love you. <laughs> Proud of you. Amen. Next week is launching the promise. We're going to have Pastor Anthony preaching, Pastor Moises preaching. We're launching out these two campuses, Waxhaw and Mora in East Charlotte. We're also launching out our Spanish service congregation, our Nepali congregation. God is doing great things at Greater Life. I can't wait to see what's next. Can you? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We'll see you Wednesday night. It's family night again, baby. Come and eat dinner with us and have a great week. Thanks.